Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, I was solo because Andrew was tied up doing something else. So I sat down with Mr. Neil Mehta, M-E-H-T-A, and Neil is N-E-E-L, in case you are looking on the Google or whatever your search engine of choice is. Uh, Neil came to talk with me about the startup company EpiFinder, which again, for your internet browsing pleasure, E-P-I-F-I-N-D-E-R.com. As you will learn very, very quickly, EpiFinder is a a medical technology, a, a medical informatics, biomedical informatics technology that is designed to really improve how healthcare providers and patients and caregivers uh diagnose epilepsy and treat epilepsy ongoing. Now, those of you who know about my background in cardiology uh, know that it is cardiology and not epilepsy, but I thought this was really interesting because, of course, there is so much uh, overlap with every kind of novel biomedical technology and the ways that we can do a better job of doing patient care and taking care of people in our limited time in the clinic and acknowledging all of the lived experience that people have outside of the clinic. Many of you know that I teach a course on campus uh, with my amazing colleague, Dr. Jeffrey LaBelle, called um, uh, Biomedical Device Design. And so this was a really fun time for me to be able to talk with a former biomedical uh, engineering student who's now out in the real world and having this real lived experience. Uh, so before we begin, as always, thank you for listening to the Future Out Loud podcast. Uh, you, of course, are here because you know where we are, but you can also tell your friends who might not already be listening to Future Out Loud that they can find us in places like iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever you find your fine podcasts. You can, of course, subscribe to the Future Out Loud podcast, and you can also find this and all of our previous episodes on our website, which is futureoutloud.org. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook, both at the handle Future Out Loud, and you can let us know what you think. And as always, thank you for listening. And now on with Neil Maida to talk about EpiFinder. Hi, Neil. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. You came all the way to this really glorious office at ASU, the bastion of what public education can give you in terms of four walls and a ceiling um, with some really nasty old lights. Um, (laughs) And uh, EpiFinder. So I heard a little bit about EpiFinder at the Scottsdale, City of Scottsdale Cure Corridor event last, was that in November? Yeah, it was no, in November. November yeah. 2017. So yeah. tell us, what is EpiFinder? 
Yeah, so EpiFinder is a software platform where we empower doctor-patient relationship. The way we do it we, is that we allow patients to tell their story and mm -hmm. enhance doctors in their clinical decision-making process. Mm -hmm. This empowers a doctor and patient to have more human-to-human -human interaction mm -hmm. rather than a doctor starting to type the notes when they see the patient in the mm -hmm. uh, uh, clinic or in their examination room or in the ICU. So what we do it in a way that there are a lot of patients who go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed when they have epilepsy condition. Mm -hmm. So by allowing them to tell their story in the comfort of their own home or before they see their doctor, mm -hmm. that, uh, that helps them to be calm and composed when they meet with their doctor. Okay. They are not in, in a hurry of, hey, I have to tell 10 sure. things to my doctor and my doctor only has five minutes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's on the patient side. On the doctor side, now the doctor has all the information about their patient mm -hmm. before they come and see them. Mm -hmm. So by the time they see the patient, they know exactly what to ask mm -hmm. or what to review and what are the next steps. Sure. So now on the doctor side, they don't have the hush and rush of finding out, oh, hey, what's going on with my patient, what medication I have to give, uh, all that stuff. So when they have that five minutes, mm -hmm. the patient is comfortable mm -hmm. that they, they know that my doctor has reviewed all the information. Mm -hmm. And the doctor knows that, okay, my patient has shared everything what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So now they can have a peaceful, calm and composed conversation. Hey, how's your life? Rather than tell me what happened yesterday, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So it changes that conversation. Mm -hmm. and. We want to enable that through the use of effective technology, mm -hmm. which is uh, empowering their interaction rather than creating a wall between them. Okay. So tell me more about the technology. You said this happens before a patient gets to an exam room. So what does the patient do? So the patient downloads our app. Mm -hmm. And it's a guided uh, screening questionnaire for them, okay. uh, which is very adaptive uh, based on the needs and requirement. And then once they complete that questionnaire and answer all the questions or whatever they know about, mm -hmm. then that information is sent to their doctor okay. using a HIPAA compliant secured email. Okay. And then on the doctor's side, now they get a notification that the patient has done that. Mm -hmm. So they... Uh, open that email and with one click that entire information is converted into the clinical app which we have on the doctor's side so mm -hmm. now the doctor can review that information as a one-page clinical summary so that you know every doctor has a crunch of time mm -hmm. they have to write notes they have to dictate notes they have to do all the compliance protocol mm -hmm. so now Allowing that interchange of communication and conversation mm -hmm. and uh, effective uh, kind of collecting effective uh, symptoms from the patient up front mm -hmm. uh, that allows doctors to do more uh, what we call it reflective thinking mm -hmm. or intellectual thinking rather than the mundane day-to-day -day thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... Um <clears throat> so it, it's uh, it's patients basically filling out a questionnaire on an app, and then the app translates that content to almost like a, a dashboard. Exactly for for a, a for healthcare a provider. Sure. So um, how long have you? Well, let me back up. What 
what was your path? What was the road to understanding that or to identifying that this was a gap and there was a need for this in the clinical space? Sure, that's a great question. So when we started building uh, the entire company, we focused on the doctor because we knew that they are the uh, decide uh, like they are the deciding factors. They have the power of patient's health. So we built the clinical tool for the doctors so that we can help them in terms of identifying the right type of epilepsy condition for each individual patient. Mm-hmm. But when we built that, a lot of patients came up to us and say, hey, what's in it for us? Mm-hmm. And you know, there is this common consensus right across the spectrum that the patient always tells the doctor that my doctor never listens to me. Mm-hmm. And doctor on the other side says, I want to listen to my patient. Mm-hmm. I want to really provide a personalized mm-hmm. care for my patient. Mm-hmm. But the system, I only get 10 minutes with my patient Mm -hmm. and in that not only I have to ask all my questions Mm -hmm. but at the same time document that otherwise Mm -hmm. I don't get paid from the insurance Mm -hmm. companies Mm -hmm. I also have to make sure that I cover all the checks and balances which Mm -hmm. I'm required as a medical professional Mm -hmm. so the challenge is not that the doctors don't want to listen to the patient Mm -hmm. and on the patient side they don't know that doctor has 10 things to do. Mm-hmm. They only see when they interact right. with them. Mm-hmm. So we saw that there was a big need uh, between that and how you can kind of, rather than changing the system, replacing anyone or making a big kind of announcement of like moving away from something, mm-hmm. let's take what's out there and build something on that. Okay. So that way we are, you know, we are creating an ecosystem where everyone is involved mm-hmm. rather than disrupting anyone. Yep. Okay, so <clears throat> you now do you have somewhere in your family or in your personal world where you're engaged with the world of epilepsy or did this come to you as a capstone student or how did you, I mean, this is a very specific niche. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, we always say that we didn't choose epilepsy. Epilepsy chose us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story kind of go goes back to my co-founder and CEO Robert Yao. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a medical student uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Got misdiagnosed, got sick, uh, had to take two years of bed rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-diagnosed himself, identified that he had rare uh, condition, mm-hmm. and then from there, when he went back to the medical school to mm-hmm. do clinical rotations the director at the school found out what he built while he was out of the school Mm -hmm. is something what's called as a biomedical informatics. Mm -hmm. And he told him uh, to look for a PhD program. So Mm -hmm. he moved here to Arizona State University Mm -hmm. and then he was looking to apply that algorithm on different conditions. Uh But all the faculty members said you have to choose one. You have to be very focused. And they didn't know what to do with him. Mm So what they kind of created was that, how about Robert, you give a presentation, we'll invite all the doctors Mm -hmm. uh, across the valley, uh, from Mayo Clinic, from Mm -hmm. Children's Hospital, from Banner, and then you present your algorithm and see who has some interest or feedback. Mm -hmm. And at that time, an epileptologist, who Mm -hmm. is a subject matter expert, uh, told Robert that you should look or create something more on this algorithm to apply for epilepsy individuals mm-hmm. and for epilepsy doctors. Mm-hmm. 65 million people worldwide have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. 
3.4 million people in US alone. Yes. One in 26 will have epilepsy at any point in their given lifetime. Mm -hmm. And on the top of it, there are 62 different types of epilepsy. Mm -hmm. So in order to not only identify the type of epilepsy and also to provide the right kind of medication, mm -hmm. this results into 40% of the patients getting misdiagnosed. Right. So that costs the system $12.5 billion per mm -hmm. year. So considering all these facts and all, all these challenges, he decided, okay, I'll do the rotations with you, doctor, and see if my algorithm is applicable. Mm -hmm. Long story short, it did. Uh -huh. uh, we uh, did a clinical validation study at Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. uh, the results came out to be phenomenal. Uh, we are pushing that threshold to 89.5% sensitivity. Okay. That means now about 89.5% of the time, our tool can mm -hmm. tell doctors whether the patient have epilepsy or not, mm -hmm. rather than 55 to 60%, which is the traditional ways of identifying the patients who have epilepsy or not. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a, a change or an effective uh, mechanism through which we got in the field of epilepsy. Sure, and this is, <clears throat> and the algorithm is, um, if I'm understanding correctly, the algorithm is based entirely on inputs from uh, this patient history that the patient is providing. Yes and no. Uh, yes in a way that we do ask patients to fill out everything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we allow doctors to edit, add, or delete any information before they go sure. to submit the patient's mm -hmm. uh, clinical symptoms. So uh, I guess what I'm um, yeah. what I'm asking is, uh, or what what I'm supposing is that this the algorithm does not also include uh, EEG data or other laboratory data or other uh, testing medical testing data. Yes, we do uh, ask for those data. So, mm -hmm. for example, uh, that is an optional. So, if the patient has already gone through EEG mm -hmm. or if they had any vitals been taken recently, mm -hmm. they are more than welcome to input those information as mm -hmm. well. So, the more, the merrier. So okay. what it does is that on the back end, we have a translational biomedical informatics mm -hmm. uh, algorithms mm -hmm. who are constantly learning based on the patient's input, mm -hmm. as well as what's the latest and the best clinical mm -hmm. studies which are coming out, okay. and also evidence-based guidelines. Mm -hmm. So those are the standard practices which are being followed. Mm -hmm. So we are not changing the way a doctor will diagnose a patient. Mm -hmm. uh, we are just creating a comprehensive knowledge resources yes. at the point of care. Sure. So, um, and you mentioned there's been one clinical validation study done with some patients at Mayo Clinic, and has it been published? Yes, it's being published. It's and? live that uh, it's uh, uh, with American Epilepsy Society. Uh, okay, yes. in their journal. In in their journal, Okay, yes. good. When was that? Was uh, it, it was in 2017? It was published in December 2017. December 2017. Yeah. Because... We would always want our listeners to have access to the resources. So yeah. December 2017. Okay, good. Um, and is Yao the first uh, author? Yeah, on he that? is the first author. Great. Okay. Um, now, one clinical validation study does not make a cleared FDA 
tool or, or device. So does this fall into the category of this is not a device, this is not a medical device. Uh, information technology yeah. does not currently FDA cleared. That's correct. Um, However, there is certainly an algorithm that is making diagnoses. Um, and so from that perspective, uh, you know, what, are, what is the specific claim that the algorithm is making? It sounds like that you're claiming that the algorithm is going to make a diagnosis, which would slot it into a medical software. That's a great question. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of tools or products which are being out mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. who is like a black box mm -hmm. and kind of you input the data or you input the information mm -hmm. and it will kind of spit out the diagnosis sure. or spit out the treatment protocols. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what we do is we provide a differential diagnosis. Uh -huh. So we take into consideration all the 62 mm -hmm. different types of epilepsy. Mm -hmm. but. At the end of that, we provide with the top five or the top seven most likely mm -hmm. uh, epilepsy syndromes or mm -hmm. seizure conditions sure. for each patient. So this way we are still enabling the doctor to make that final call. Mm -hmm. We are not making that final call. Okay. And what it does is basically it allows doctor to maybe ask for the question uh -huh. pertaining to those three or the those five sure. rather than looking into the full spectrum sure absolutely so that's um the idea is that it improves effectiveness and efficiency yes correct um you've done one clinical validation study um what tell me what are the plans for additional validation studies because one one-sided validation study of course does not constitute the kind of high quality clinical evidence that one would change one's practice that's based it. on yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you 100% uh, and I'll start that one is better than none of but course yes yes you, uh, being said that we are starting a clinical study with uh, UCLA Okay. We are starting another clinical study with URMC, University mm -hmm. of Rochester mm -hmm. Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And also we have uh, Cedar Sinai, uh, Sinai mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. LA in the pipeline. Okay, we good. are waiting to hear back from them. Good. And also we'll start um, a clinical study with Barrows Neurological Institute here in good. Phoenix good. in fall 2018. Okay, very yeah. good. That's coming up fast. Yeah. Um, and then what other kinds of... Uh, evidence is your team gathering around not just validation of the um, you know of the algorithm but also a clinical outcomes you know looking at clinical outcomes and uh, and effective efficiency I guess uh, and and cost effectiveness really so what are those plans uh, yeah, so we just focused, our first mm -hmm. goal was mm -hmm. to focus whether it improves the clini clinical decision-making mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And yes, our Mayo Clinic study was able to prove that. Mm -hmm. And now we have uh, focused on kind of identifying whether it aligns with the value-based care. Mm -hmm. uh, it aligns, it reduces the cost, mm -hmm. uh, improves the practice outcomes. So is that part of these upcoming studies at yes. the centers that you mentioned? Yes, oh, exactly. very good, very and, good. And uh, because our goal is when we reach out to doctors, they say, okay, improving outcomes, great. 
but if you are asking me to do 10 more clicks mm-hmm. in my day mm-hmm. that is the fatigue that is what they don't want to do right right so we are looking into integrating with the existing EMR uh-huh. uh, vendors like Epic and Sena we yeah. are also looking that how we can take that burden from them uh-huh. and do as much as in house mm-hmm. so that for them it's just to review uh, kind of add something if mm-hmm. they want to and then within fraction of seconds the tool is able to identify the top 3 or the top 5 most likely epilepsy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for each patient so we are also focusing towards personalized care uh-huh. so uh, one more point we are adding is the predictive data analytics mm-hmm. so once a patient has been seen by a doctor f- for at least 5 times mm-hmm. our tool can start providing them hey did you check this or sure. most likely the this is where the epilepsy is trending right. you should you should ask your patient to come back to the sure. clinic in 3 to 6 months okay. those kind of things okay what kind of uh work are you doing in terms of research with uh on the the patient side of things um in other words uh uh you know asking patients how their experience great is. question so just after this uh podcast interview we have mm-hmm. two patients coming to our office mm-hmm. where they came last year mm-hmm. uh, when we heard that a lot of patients really want something for themselves uh-huh. and they were one of the pioneers in providing us with guidelines or providing us what's not out there right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. always easy to find what's out there but it's always difficult to realize and identify what a patient wants exactly and so we conducted a lot of focus groups mm-hmm. uh interviews mm-hmm. and after about 4 months into this mm-hmm. now we have a beta version up and running okay and so we are inviting them today we'll just literally give them our tool our app a patient portal mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. uh and we'll be silent and we really want them to go through that give us feedback mm-hmm. identify where they are not able to kind of understand or mm-hmm. where there is a breakdown in terms of the workflow or sure. going to that next set of questions or kind of providing or sending that information to the doctor how intuitive that is how effective that is so we'll mm-hmm. be doing those kind of patient interviews in the mm-hmm. next two weeks okay because our plan is to launch the patient portal uh in the month of april Okay. Uh, and also to add one more thing to this is that even before building the full patient portal we launched a kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. uh, last year in the month of november because november is called an epilepsy awareness month mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we really want to see whether the patients are just talk the talk or they are really going to walk the walk what what do you mean by that that means that there are a lot of people even consumers like us we mm-hmm. always think oh this will be cool mm-hmm. yeah you should mm-hmm. build it yeah i would use it but when the chance comes or when an opportunity is there to right. pay for it mm-hmm. whether they are going to put the credit card on paper oh okay yes. so is that part of the business model is yes. that the patients um fork over some of this this is not that providers are paying for the providers service. also pay for oh, it and patients pays all, for this. everybody okay. pays for it got it because and is ev- it a subscription yes uh it's a monthly patients pay $10 a month uh mm-hmm. like a netflix or hulu mm-hmm. and a doctor we had $99 per month for mm-hmm. 2017 mm-hmm. we bumped it up to $200 per month uh, in 2018 okay. and then we will also increase so we are literally because mm-hmm. there is a lot of back end things uh we have to do we mm-hmm. have to hire more people mm-hmm. uh yeah and then also 
uh, we are conducting a lot of studies. We are doing trade shows and mm-hmm. conference presentations, sure. so on and so forth. So what? how would a patient interact with this div- a- app, I guess, on an ongoing basis? Because it sounded like it was a seri- like a questionnaire that they would complete before they go into the provider visit. Um, is there more to it than that on the patient's side? Or yeah. is it just a re- you know repeating that questionnaire? Yeah, uh, so there is repeating of the questionnaire, plus mm-hmm. there is a lot more to that. Uh, with any individual who have epilepsy or seizure, mm-hmm. they uh, there is a change in the uh, thought processing and the brain waves mm-hmm. and how they interact in mm-hmm. their day-to-day life mm-hmm. once every three to four days. Okay. It's very minuscule, but mm-hmm. it it gets unnoticed, mm-hmm. it gets undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. So that's where we have this, where we are constantly collecting that information, not necessarily that every time that information will be useful to their doctor, mm-hmm. but this is how they are creating the life journey. Consider that as a life protocol, okay. where from day one of their seizures all the way to the day when they are cured and it's gone and it's mm-hmm. done, that's the happy day, right? For mm-hmm. them and for us that, okay, that was a successful journey of that patient okay. and how they are documenting that journey. And then we are going to tap into that and summarize it for them. Okay. So there are a lot of protocols which we are also putting into the place. Our eventual goal is to give, give it away for free for the patients. Mm-hmm. But in order to do so, we have to start somewhere. I see. And also there is a saying that when you have skin in the game, you are more... Of course you are more than likely to use for it. <coughs> so we really want to drive that patient engagement and mm-hmm. the interaction with the doctor so that there is that happy medium. And also on the doctor side, now they have a peace of mind because if the patient is using something like this, mm-hmm. they can rest assured that there will be medication compliance, there will be a, um, like frequent interaction between them. Mm-hmm. And also the patient will most likely will show up once again when they are due for the follow-up visit. Okay. So, I mean, I think that that is, um, that's a great concept. And we know, of course, that more touches, right, improves uh, adherence, particular adherence to prescribed therapies, particularly with chronic conditions uh, like epilepsy. And, uh, you know, one of the other challenges that we see quite a bit in uh, with healthcare technology is, um, and I I appreciate that you're studying this, is that, um, as you say, walking the walk is not a very common practice. the you know the field that does it best is diabetes and it's uh certainly not even a hundred percent uh there so i'm interested to know um in your sort of ongoing patient studies um what are you doing to assess quality of life in patients yeah quality of life is a great question so when a patient enrolls in the study with uh, using EpiFinder mm-hmm. uh, tool or, uh, or patient portal, they do a consent. Mm-hmm. And once they uh, consent for the information, mm-hmm. we really kind of have that uh, 
interaction with their healthcare professionals. So mm-hmm. for example, with Mayo Clinic study, they did interact with uh, EEG technicians, mm-hmm. uh, epilepsy monitoring unit fellows, residents, mm-hmm. and also finally um, epileptologists mm-hmm. and other uh, specialty medical doctors. Mm-hmm. We are not yet at a point where we can understand the quality of life longitudinally. That means from the day one mm-hmm. all the way to maybe after two years. Or oh, after so you're not years. using any validated tools to measure it? Not yet. Okay. Um, w- uh, we want to create our own tools. So with the oh. launch of our patient portal, okay. uh, what we'll do is we'll start getting all this patient. We mm-hmm. already have uh, close to 50 patients who backed us. So who are you working with then to generate, to, to create a brand new quality of life assessment tool? We are not at that stage yet. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, if you have suggestions, advice, yes, there's, uh, you should be at that stage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we can talk about that online. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, so this is great. So 2018 is a big year for you, 20, uh, in terms of continued research and engagement, um, with your Kickstarter. So you had a Kickstarter in November and how did that do? That did, uh, pretty well. We felt that. We'll see. It was just mm-hmm. a test run. Uh, we raised close to twelve thousand uh, dollars. About fifty patients, fifty individuals backed us. Okay. Um, a lot of epilepsy foundation directors. Good. Um, you so know, a lot of interest. A lot of interest. A uh, lot of high net worth individuals supported the cause. Okay. And then, so next month. After all this conducting in-house mm-hmm. patient interviews with local individuals and mm-hmm. over Zoom and everyone, everywhere, we'll roll it out to this 50. Mm-hmm. We'll see how their experiences look like. Mm-hmm. And then our goal is to launch in like the full patient portal in fall 2018. Fall 2018. Because in, in the summer, we will be also doing the integration with the EMR. Oh, very good. So that good. way, everything is um, kind of created together. Yep. Uh, it's packaged. Very and good. all they have to do is just use it. Very good, very good. Um, and are you, um, oh, what was I going to ask you? Um, in terms then of being able to uh, put out, you know, your sort of outcomes data, and I know that that clinical outcomes was not a part of your original thing, but of, of course, clinical outcomes is what we are going to be looking to with a value-based payment system that our healthcare system is creeping towards bit by bit. Um, so when are you expecting that you're going to be able to produce outcomes data? Are you thinking like late 2019? No, we'll have some outcomes data in late 2018 itself. Late 2018. Uh, our, one of the other goal is that uh, the SAS model is great and it's mm-hmm. working and mm-hmm. doctors are kind of buying for that mm-hmm. but there is a bigger and better potential mm-hmm. as a company and also when you can talk about three P's mm-hmm. provider, payer and pharma mm-hmm. when you switch your entire model to value-based care now you are really becoming a part owner in mm-hmm. savings of that uh, annual budget or at annual investment which they have in order to keeping the patient outside the hospital providing that uh, self-managed care Mm -hmm. for those patients and it has trickled heavily in the field of cancer diabetes and cardio Mm -hmm. but it's still yet to come for the neurological conditions Mm -hmm. and we want to pioneer that space by the time it's rolled out from cms or from Mm -hmm. onc health it Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, well, I think that that move to trying to really 
move care out of the hospital and even out of the outpatient clinic um, is is really valuable. It's incredibly challenging because as you're finding out, the real world is a very, very messy place where people very never follow the rules. The <laughs> rules, quote air quotes, rules on paper, right? Um, so, uh, so that's exciting. So, and, and I almost hesitate to ask, and we're just kind of coming up to the end of our time. But this is, um, as you said, you know, epilepsy hmm. found you for this project. Yep. And um, I should mention for the podcast that we're recording this on Facebook Live as well. And so, sorry, Facebook Live, I keep you know messing up the picture. Um, <laughs> uh, Epilepsy found you, and epilepsy, I don't want to suggest in any way that the field of epilepsy is not so rich and deep and uh, complex on its own that it's something that you can, you know, put a check mark by and then move on to something else. But with that aside, um, are there other areas that you think that this algorithm or a similar type of algorithm could impact yes definitely uh, we uh, there are people who are already knocking at our doors and asking would you like to license the algorithm which we have built mm -hmm. uh, so that they can test on other conditions sure and what are some of the other conditions uh, like there are doctors who are cardiologists they want something for an individual who is at risk for a heart attack mm -hmm. uh, there are doctors in back and spine uh, like you name it, and we have been invited to mm -hmm. kind of explore that field. Mm -hmm. But as a startup founder, and also with our limited uh, budget, and uh, of course we are raising all the time the investments uh, mm -hmm. to grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, ninety-nine percent of the times no, and only one percent of the time yes. So that we can be focused, we mm -hmm. can prove what we started our journey mm -hmm. with rather than uh, kind of spraying and praying approach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So our that's why at Epifunder we call ourselves as a neurospectrum differentiation company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So epilepsy is our first product line, you can call it that mm -hmm. way. And then after that we want to expand to other conditions, but only focusing in the field of brain and the brain Within science the with the spectrum, neurological sure. con uh, conditions okay. so that as a company we are we are a go-to place mm -hmm. for any individuals who have those conditions. Mm -hmm. And once we perfect that by 2020, that's our goal. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's a massive goal, and uh, we are putting in place all the systems and processes to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we will look into the opportunity of licensing to other companies so that yeah. more patients and more doctors can get that benefit. Okay, good. Well, speaking, when I put on my hat as a healthcare provider uh, and not just a clinical researcher or a policy person, um, I'm glad that you and uh, Robert had the experience early on of focusing on the provider and realizing very quickly that yes, the provider is an important part of the equation, but the equation is fundamentally incomplete without the patient. Without. Because at the end of the day, the provider spends 10 minutes on this and the patient spends 24 hours, seven days a week on this. And uh, there's that's where the wealth of the knowledge actually resides. So yes. um, so I'm, I'm glad for the prospects of being able to actually have a technology that... Um, 
does what we would hope it would do um, that very, very early on, uh, you were able to pivot so that the patient was really the critical source of input. Yeah, and in order to, uh, you know, prove this, that patient is a key, mm-hmm. uh, personally, uh, me and our chief creative officer at Epifinder, we both did a cross-country road trip. Mm-hmm. So we drove from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. with a call to action, mm-hmm. and then we drove back. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we met with over 18 epilepsy foundations uh-huh. in each state yes. and also hospitals and in also uh, different care facilities. And we saw that there is a big need for mm-hmm. uh, to improve this current state of the art. Yes. And now we are able to empathize and understand that, mm-hmm. you know, driving cross country was challenging, was yes. brutal, yes. but now kind of introspecting in the lives of the people who have to go through this on a day-to-day basis uh, is it just like brings tears to the eyes Mm -hmm. so really kind of shaping that enabling and improving patient outcomes that's the goal good well thank you very much for doing this work and being truly patient-centered, person-centered technology, both for the healthcare provider user, but really critically for the patient. So I appreciate that and look forward to seeing what comes next. So people can find you. What's your website and social media oh, sure. handles? So uh, it's epifinder, E-P-I-F-I-N-D-E-R.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our website. We have every information, our blogs and everything mm-hmm. on that. Uh, we have a uh, phone number and email to reach out to us on the website as well. With respect to social media, you can follow at nmisdiagnosis on Instagram mm-hmm. and at epifinder on Twitter. Super. Neil, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Terrific. Really glad you're here. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Hare created our music. Esmeralda Parker is our production assistant. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.